Hey friends, welcome again to the Between Two Clouds Diving Deep podcast. Diving deep with the Between Two Clouds, that is what we call it here. So we've had some interesting updates to what we do, I guess behind the scenes of the Between Two Clouds project. Uh, one is that now we have studios called Cloud Two Studios, which does a lot of things, you know, graphic design work, um, a little bit of animation at this point, you know, podcasting, et cetera. And Cloud2 Studios will function as the studios behind the Between Two Clouds project. It's all good stuff. We're pretty excited. We have a few people on our team now. Uh, things are moving in a great direction. So for this episode, I'm your host, Matthew Hahn, the curator of Between Two Clouds, and Scott Kowalczyk, co-hosting GhostwriterX.com, all the normal stuff. And our guest today, uh, which we we're very excited to have, and it was a great talk. It's Miles Carter. Miles Carter is unfollow Carter on Instagram. Uh, Miles Carter has a pretty massive YouTube following. Makes a lot of really beautiful, beautiful, beautiful music and art videos, and I highly recommend checking out. Uh, he's a very sweet cat too. He actually lives pretty close to me. Um, yeah, we we had a good time recording this one as well. I mean, all of them we've had a good time. So anyways, I don't think there's much I have to prep you on in this one. He's a beautiful guy. We had a beautiful combo. I hope you guys enjoy. And gals and people and, you know, whoever you are. We got some chocolate in the studio. Salted never hurts. No. Oh, salted caramel. You can share it if you want. You can also have a little thing. My goodness. That's, see, I, uh, I find the talk of... Um, see, culturally, I find I find that in, that interest sort of an interesting mm. um, point because I'm, I'm Canadian. Right. And, and I thought it was very... I, I thought culturally the two, uh, the two places, Canada and the United States, didn't differ at all. But my experience, it has been very different. Mm. I, um, I had a conversation similar to that because um, my, my friend and I were just discussing this uh, artist, Daniel Caesar, and I think he had, like, made a comment about just, like, um, the racial situation in America. Mm. Like, I think he had just said, like, oh, why can't why can white people joke on black people, but black people can't joke on white people? And everybody hated him for it, you mm. know? Um, well, everybody in America. But I can understand that because there's so much racial tension here. Um, but I, what I don't think people considered was that Daniel Caesar was Canadian, you know, oh, so really? he was raised completely differently to where he was ignorant to a lot of um, the racial tension here. So um, that's people basically canceled him. Like, we're not listening to your music anymore. Mm. Da, da, da. And I thought that was so like it was so groupthink in a way, mm. because it's like we didn't no one took the time to really say, well, where is this guy from? Does he even understand like what we're dealing with um, before they like went and started bashing and attacking him? So um, the, con the larger conversation we were having was just like this cancel culture that um, people tend to have on social media. Like, if I don't like one thing you do, then everybody has to hate you and I'm going to make sure everybody hates you. And I, I really think that's like 
for me, it's hard for, I would imagine it's hard for celebrities because it's like people forget that you're a person. You yeah. know, people forget that just because you have a thousand or a hundred thousand people listening to you doesn't mean that you aren't ignorant to things in life. It doesn't mean that you aren't still developing as a human being. It doesn't mean that you aren't learning from life in itself. Um, I think that's like a major way people put on like people, anyone who's in like an influence or a celebrity position a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree on that one. One thing that uh, I struggle in that space is people don't even engage that person. Like you were saying before, they don't ask, like, hey, where is this person from, et cetera. And the best way to really understand the situation is to talk to that person directly mm-hmm. in a way that's um, open to conversation as opposed to putting this person on the defensive and making them answer for themselves. Because then you don't even get, like, a real response from this person. You get the defensive response. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, hey, you said these things. You know, what does that mean? Why do you say that? Um, and then when they answer that, be like, you know, where did that come from? You know, what experiences? Provide some specific experiences. And then if we got to that point prior to canceling somebody and hating somebody, we might get a real version of the different perspectives and how they're not that different either. Like, oh, it would make sense with this experience to then have this result and view the world. But people are so quick to just jump on whatever the gravy train is, whatever's popular right now. Like if anybody had a, like Aziz and Sorry, they jumped on for uh, like the Me Too movement. And the reality is he had a bad date. Mm. He had a bad date where he did act in a way which was a lack of uh, growth as a person, for sure. But the difference between like him and like a, even like Louis C.K., Lucy K being on the, the lighter end of a lot of things that happened mm. uh, was just massive, but to put in that same boat is, is just odd. And understanding too that, you know, people do bad things. So we all, we've all done things that we look at, we're like, wow, that's not really indicative of the rest of my life. Mm. But like, God forbid the wrong person catches wind of that and what that blow up looks like. For yeah. some reason, I pictured you like flipping your car. <laughs> like just for some reason, you flipped your car. And just walked away. Just like, yeah, no, I'm just gonna leave it. I'm that done. I'm done with that. Does align to my personality. <laughs> um, no, I, I can definitely see that. I don't know too much about like the Aziz and Sari um, situation, but what I can, I would, what I was, what I kind of go about when I kind of look at people is rather than judging someone by an action, I look for habits. So anybody, like, like you said, we've all done things that we're not proud of. We've all been right. We've all been wrong. It's, this is just like, this is humanity. It's how morality shifts, like, because we're always learning and developing. And I don't think we would, I don't think life would be what it is if people didn't go through things and make mistakes to be able to learn from them and look back at them. You know, nobody's ever going to be perfect forever. But what I look for is habits, you know, like, I'm not going to say anybody is a bad person unless you do a bad thing on a consistent basis mm-hmm. and it shows that you have no like you have no like intention of growth, you have no self-reflection, you know, things like that cuz um even me, like I think I I have a problem with speaking sometimes where I feel like I ramble a lot mm-hmm. and sometimes I'll go back and look at like a live that I did or something like, "Oh, man, I love what I said here, but I could have said that better." <laughs> you know, but you know that's the more recently that's what I've been just accepting about myself, mm-hmm. like the fact that I go back and I look like, okay, I like this and this, we could work on this. Like I try to adopt like a more positive, like friendlier thought process instead of telling myself like, this is what needs to be fixed and you're wrong because of this. It's more like, okay, this is what needs to be worked on and we're going to work on it because 
that's all life is, is just working on things, getting better gradually. Do you think a lot of, um, a lot of the culture now that's surrounded um, around um, the recording of self and the, you know, the presentation of, say, your, your ideas specifically has anything to do with that? I don't know, that human need to A, be heard, and also, but also to self-reflect on what and who you are. Mm. I definitely think it ha- it puts this, like, at least in my experience, it puts this, st- this extra stipulation on who you are because it's like now there's a standard that we mm. put in our minds that we have to meet. And I've realized it in my own experience, like, I've, I have to walk away from that standard. I have to realize that. I'm exactly who I'm supposed to be right now. Mm. You know, even if I can acknowledge things that I need to work on, that's what comes with time. And you can't really force growth because growth is something that happens naturally. So for me at this point, it's more like, why would I force myself or try to force myself to be what I'm going to be anyways? Mm. You know, why not just let myself develop naturally? It's it's patience, right? Yeah. Like that that patience just, it, it comes in time. Mm. That's something that's interesting that I... There's a period in my life where I wrote a lot of poetry. And there's one poem that the goal was, it was A through Z. And then I was just like making a, I guess, assertion of life and what I witnessed in the world and how people were and where we were at. And the QRST, when I got to that, was quiet revolutions, stop trauma, mm-hmm. which is like the idea that growth, if you force growth, if growth is really loud, it comes with trauma. Like it, it comes with... Uh, something that's not sustainable comes with this darker side. But if you do things quietly or like more smooth and sustainably, then the growth actually occurs in a way that's sustainable. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you force things, like you were saying, you can't force growth. You can, but it's not going to be what you think it is. It's going to be this view of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas but if you do things gradually and you own it quietly and it's soft, etc., then you can actually make these revolutions of yourself and of life. But do you guys think that growth should come without drama? I think it's possible. My most of my growth comes from trauma, personally. Mm. So I've seen how effective it can be, but I don't recommend it. <laughs> I think growth is impossible without some level of trauma because you have to. I think you have to go through the hard parts of life to experience the great parts of life. You know, it's like even I think in the way that we exist, it's like everything is usually by comparison. The way like there's light and dark. You right. know, man, like everything is kind of like two-sided in a way so i think the way in which life works is that in order for me if i am if i am happy being happy if i want to go on a mountaintop and experience peace and bliss i won't even be able to experience that if i don't have like a bad experience to compare it to like man i remember when i wasn't on top of this hill and now i'm so grateful for the fact that i'm here you know like and i think once we start to accept just like the highs and the lows of life and just realize that we are the constants and these highs and lows come to teach us things for mm-hmm. us to learn from, then you stop like feeling a need to hold on to the high when you have it and you stop feeling like you're going to be in the low forever when you're in it. It's just hills and valleys, but you're going towards something. Right. You know? So, Well, it's, it's, it, it's a natural cadence, mm. right, of, of uh, how we progress. Like I always, I always look at the caterpillar as the best example of growth, like the caterpillar who cocoons itself up mm. and then turns into a butterfly. We see the two actions that happen, the cocoon and then the emergence of the butterfly. What we don't hear or see is what happens within, mm. which I would assume uh, sprouting wings is going to be painful. <laughs> like that shit's going to hurt. Especially when they can't, uh, especially when they can't like spread. 
Mm. Like you have these wings that are now grown that weren't there initially, and you had to force that space. So you find the light free, you have the release, and that's like the the moment everybody looks at. You're right, but people don't glamorize like what that looks like and feels like before it gets seen. Yeah, before I mean, it's on display. Right. I mean, you're literally it's literally transforming into another like entity, really. So it's like that yeah. has to be painful, you know. It hurts. But it's like but, it's like as soon as you see like a like well, you would remember back in high school, like just the discomfort of being in this sort of controlled environment, mm. and then maybe not you, but I, and then knowing what was going on inside your body the whole time. Mm. It's like, how many days did you walk? Did you walk out of high school? Just like that was the most painful erection I've had all day. <laughs> I really enjoyed high school a lot. I, I, I don't know why, and it's, it's funny because I was just hanging out with my friend this weekend, and like it's like every everybody I've ever asked about high school seems to have a, like this terrible. But I mean, I can understand. But I think in my perspective, high school was great to me because I was I basically just come from another country. Oh, so all I had, all it was to me was like a new experience, you yeah. know, and like so. And That's exciting. Also, it was, yeah, and. It was awesome uh, for me, but also I think because of like, just my perspective on life. Like I like to see my life as a movie in a way, and I, I I imagine myself as a protagonist. So in that way, like even when I go through a low point, to me it's just a bad scene in the movie, you know. Like, but I know that what's a great movie without the scenes that make you sad, the scenes that make you cry, the scenes that make you go, oh man, like you know, like that's what makes a great film. So um, I try to look at everything in that way so that if I'm going even when I'm at a high it's like okay this is a great part of the movie but I definitely expect that you know if I'm going to keep having great parts there's going to be low parts but um I forgot the point I was going to with that but uh yeah in high school it was great for me because to me when I look back on high school it's just like a high school film mm. you know like man emotions really? and yeah I just learned so much from it and I think that's I think that's where I don't know we've been talking about how um social media like there's that canceling out of something that's deemed uncomfortable, mm. and I, I don't I don't know if necessarily social media is the like the best space to learn about yourself because it's an I, I guess it's an edited version of yourself. Whereas interactions like this, mm. um, every time we do one of these where we talk to somebody, I always walk away with like a new, um, a new realization of myself just based on my myself in relation to somebody who I wouldn't have met otherwise. Right. Yeah. And I I think um, I have the I have the same um, experience too with people. Um, I try to. I was talking to you the first time I came here. I mean, like whenever I get into a room or I speak to anybody, my mindset is what can I learn from the situation first. You know, like before, like what can I teach or what can I express? Like what can I learn from this person? I think in that way, everybody in life becomes like kind of like a teacher in a way. You know, because every we've all had different experiences our entire life, so it's like. No matter what topic we bring up, if I talk, if I say star, we're all gonna have a different idea or a different perspective on what a star is, what that might mean. So it's always just like, I think, allowing room like this for it to just express ideas mm. is great for human development because it's like we're we when you say something, I'm gonna be thinking about something like in the back of my mind, like oh, I didn't think about it that way, mm. like, and I've been thinking about this in my entire life, and I think that's just human interaction to me is just beautiful in that way. Because it's just like we can constantly learn, we can constantly develop. And that's what I want out of life. At this point, it's just what more can I learn from life every day I get up? Every day I get up, how can I better myself? How can I be even 1% better than I was yesterday? You know, what aspect? Like today, I'm working on, I think, 
what was it? I said it this morning. Yeah, I was working on patience um, and confidence. Today, I think, I forgot what I'm working on, but it'll come back to mind soon. Memory. Memory. Yeah, <laughs> Word. Yeah, I kind of, I, I used to approach it that way. Um, I guess I've just been too busy lately to approach it that way. I just imagine that if you're open to your experiences, all you have to do is experience. Because then if you're reflecting on it, you're, you're just going to learn and grow if you put yourself in different situations. Uh, the moment I heard in a study that your brain only remembers but so many memories that are similar, it just like kind of uh, puts an algorithm to in a sense where it's like uh, you won't hold and retain that memory be able to recall it because it's so similar. Like how many drives to the same place do you remember? Mm-hmm. Like, it's gone, but what about that one experience that only happened one time? You for sure remember that. Uh, so I try to make kind of everything I do dramatically different in some way. Like, and a lot of it's kind of like mind hacking myself. Like, if I'm going the same you, route. You did have a full head of hair yesterday. I, I did. So it was just like, that's hugely different today. Yeah. Your, your, your white fro gone. Your ginger fro is gone. Well, uh... Speaking of memory, Scott, we should really uh, figure out what's going on with you. But even if it's like a, a drive or something, I like mind hack myself. And uh, I don't like I kind of emit some emotion that would make no sense on a drive. Mm. Like I'll make myself really emotional mm. so that I can then, I don't want to remember it. I just kind of want to remember my life, I guess. I want to make everything interesting because I don't know if I'll ever like climb Mount Everest. Climb Mount Everest, but I don't want to feel like I did Word. every day. When you say mind hack, do you like actually try to work on your brain in a sense and try yeah, to like very actively? Word. So you actually design your perspective in a way. I am yes. I'm like heavy on the curation of my brain because if I just owned the brain that I was given uh, and how I was programmed, that would be a horrible world. Mm. So every day I'm like constantly rewiring like everything i like about myself is for sure a a rewiring there's very few things from i guess past self that i want to be which it makes it really obvious who you want to be when you experience who you don't want to be like i would look in the mirror and be like wow if this was another person i wouldn't want to be around this person or at least not for an extended period of time so i was like okay what kind of person would i want to be around because i'm around myself every day like it's a separate entity as you experiencing yourself. Uh, so now I'm like building myself into somebody that I'm like, okay, I like this person. I like how this person is. And then every time I find something I don't like in somebody else, I really reflect and be like, okay, I noticed that in somebody else. Does that mean I'm this way right now? And sometimes it does mean that. Other times it means that it's just something I don't like and I've worked on or mm. I know that. So yeah, I'm constantly curating my brain. I'm constantly kind of telling it how to think of things. It sounds like what you were <clears throat> what you were talking about with um, waking up every day with a different intention. Mm. Setting that intention is a lot of work. Like what is it something that you actively do in the morning when you wake up? Is it something that you plan the night before going to bed? Mm. So my it's it's never something I plan the night before because I mean in my mind people go to sleep all the time and never wake up. Right. You know, so uh, every day to me is like a new day. So once I wake up it's like okay, I'm alive now and then i reflect on yesterday like okay what did i do yesterday and how can i better that today um i think for me like i have a morning routine 
that I use to prepare myself for the day, but I never try to prepare myself for life because life is always going to happen. And I realize life is more about just you figuring out how you can react to it rather than you trying to enact it, you know? So in the morning I'll get up and for me, it's more about getting myself in a clear mind state. So whatever comes to me in life, I'll be able to like appropriately um, address it. Um, so what I'll do in the morning, again, first thing I do is pray just to clear my mind for one mm -hmm. and also get whatever might be on my chest. If I feel like today, like yesterday, um, I got up and I, I wasn't feeling very confident. So I actually discussed it. I was like, hey, I'm not feeling very confident today. I think this is something I might need help with. And then throughout the day, because I think that I addressed that first thing in the morning, like throughout the day, I had just in my mind, like, okay, I need to be working on confidence. And like, so I would just be like, I don't know, It once you kind of, or once I kind of put something just out in the open in the morning, just put everything honestly, and my mind is clear, um, going throughout the day, I usually end up acting on the very things that I presented. And I think that goes back to what we we're talking mm -hmm. about with just being honest with yourself. Um, and I think life just kind of like does its work after that. Once you're just like able to express it. Do you think, um, cause you said life is, life is more reactive than anything. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that comes from, um, something internal or is that like a more of an external reaction to because I, I, I find that a diff, uh, an interesting differentiation because I know that there is a reactive side to it but the, the act of creation is something that you proactively do mm, yeah um, and it sounds sorry like the sound of your intention every day sounds like creation to me rather than uh, reaction that's a really good point um, I think when I the reactive mindset comes from me not expecting much from life anymore mm. because i realize the more i expect from life is the more i'd either be let down or something like that so that i don't expect anything i kind of let life happen to me mm. so even in creation like when i made my first album i didn't i wanted to make an album for like four years but i never actually did it until i just happened to be around friends and then like i was hanging out with my friends and it turned out this guy made beats and this guy does videos and then it happened in a way that oh it makes sense to make an album you know like this is it's so it's like more it, when I create, it's more so in this in the sense that oh, this makes sense to do right now. This makes sense to make a video because I'm feeling this way and I have the time to sit down and write. And like when I write it, now I feel like oh, this is something worth putting a video to. So it's usually it's still like that reactive mindset of not so much trying to do everything or trying to make sure anything happened. I think that's especially with my platform. I don't try to like push it anywhere. I don't try to make sure anything gets a certain amount of views. It's just like, I try to get my point across. I try to express myself in a way that I think that my talents allow. Okay, so I, I totally get, yeah. So Excellent questions on Scott's end. Yeah. Uh, beautiful questions that allowed him to elaborate in a space where it really oh. fully makes sense. Oh, shucks, you guys. <laughs> yeah. So I fully get that because that's something I try to do as well is the same thing. Like, what do I expect out of life? Like when, when people ask me, like, what are you trying to do or what do you want out of this? Like I have a clear goal with like my brain and what I, how I want it to look and function. But when it comes to my own personal life, I, I just don't care. I, I'm cool with whatever. I'm just going to make the best of whatever. And that's like kind of what you're saying is like, I'm going to set this intention to prepare myself to, address life in a way that I feel good about. But what life does, life does, and I'll build from there. Mm -hmm. Like you're like, you wanted to make an album for such a long time and then the pieces fell, fell together and you're like, yeah, okay, now I'll build it. Right. I'm not going to force it before. 
It's not like this uh, ego attachment. Like, I need to make this happen. I need to make this happen. It's more like, yeah, it would be nice mm. if that happened. I'd like to do this. Same as like the podcast. I've wanted to do it for years. But then I met Scott, Ryan, uh, and it just made sense. Mm. Then I got this experience doing the Fred Talk podcast and producing that. I'm like, yeah, we could definitely do this. Everybody was here. Everybody was ready. Ryan had already shown interest doing it. Scott was super on board from the get-go. And then I was like, now I have the studio. Yeah, why not try it? Mm. I've seen how it's done. And it's been super rewarding because we just like kind of let it happen. You know, we're making mistakes and figuring it out. And I think at some point we'll have something really valuable or we won't. Mm. But it's just like reacting to the processes that were already kind of putting it there. And the only thing that was like forced was pretty much that, I guess, statement of I want to do this. The want was still reactive too. Mm. Yeah, just like making an album. The want was reactive, but... The statement of it, I would like to do this, is the only thing that you really force, and then it just came to be, and you put a little bit of action to it, a little bit of flavor, and mm, yeah, the intention. But I wanted to say real quick, I mentioned it to him last time. He has a great way of like anything that anybody would ramble about. If you ramble for like five minutes, he'll come and say something in like two seconds that completely sums up everything <laughs> you just spent five. Like he he speaks so concisely. It's always like great to see. Um, but that, yeah, that's he's the he's the uh, Deanna Troy. Of this, <laughs> okay. What is this? Deanna Troy. Uh, Star Trek always ca- uh, gave really long, complicated, convoluted explanations of like physics, and mm. then you'd have one character come in and truncate it into like a sentence, and it was always Deanna Troy. Words, always goddamn Deanna Troy. <laughs> yeah, he's really good with that. But um, I agree with the uh, just setting your intentions because I mean I think that's just a, a human thing. When you kind of realize that human beings are capable of so much, like. When I really think about it, like I would love to make an album. I'd also love to make a TV show. I could do a Netflix right. series. Like there's so many right. things I'd want to do and I think I have great ideas for. But I think if I tried to do every single thing that came to mind, I would stress myself out. So now it's it more about happen. when it's feasible and when it's when it's realistic and when it's just kind of like again, when everything falls into place, you just kind of like let life happen in that way and you end up doing everything that you're meant to do in life when you mm. let life allow you to ha- allow you to do it I think I like I like how you you strung it out in a way that I hadn't thought of before I, I was framing your term of reaction reacting to something external mm. and it kind of is but I, I, I was perceiving it almost negatively mm. whereas the way that you 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 said it was a bit of a switch flip for me which is um, you're reacting to just to stimulus coming in. Mm. So like if like with your uh, with your album, like you you weren't able to do it for 4 years until you could react to the situation being conducive to it. Mm. You know what I think this is something I'm learning right now. Interesting. And there's a quote by there's not a lot of people I listen to. I don't really read or listen to a whole lot of people, but one person I listen to is Sadhguru. It's S A D H G U R U. Highly recommend. And he's a guru, Indian yoga guru that I wouldn't have gotten that from the name. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. <laughs> he's uh, but he's like involved with life. He's not like a monk in the mountain kind of thing. Like he does live a life in such a way, but he's like riding motorcycles and stuff like that, and mm. doing a lot of interesting things. Interesting things, and like up the mountain, he's riding a motorcycle up the mountain. <laughs> no, I think I think he actually walks up the mountain. It's a pilgrimage for him. When he does a mountain he parks thing. at the bottom, and then he yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's not going to do the whole. He's not going to walk there too through the city. That's ridiculous. Dude, that dude's an asshole. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so he has one thing where he says like, if you want to find purpose in life and be happy and f- feel valuable, do what's needed, not what you want to do. And I think when you react to things, you're doing what's needed as opposed to when you're proactively doing something a lot of times or forcing it. Let's not say proactively because that's a good thing. 
you're doing what you want to do as opposed to what's needed in the world. Mm. Like, do we need another SoundCloud rapper? No. Mm. We have plenty. But do we need somebody that's saying maybe a specific message? Do we need more poets in the world? Yeah, apparently, because that's essentially what you've been doing. Mm. <laughs> so it was needed because right. people respond to it like, yes, there is a, this was needed. Mm. I, yes, I like this. There's not enough of this. So what are you, what are you reacting to right now? If you if your environment is like incubi- incubating you to something, what is it? What is it right now? Um, that's a you're great with questions. Oh, um, what am I reacting to right now? I think in essence, right now I'm reacting just to life, and I think that's always going to be where I'm at from going forward. But I think it took me switching from that mindset of literally this summer, I was just thinking of all the things I needed to do. Like, oh, I'm working on an album. I need to put on an album. I needed to be here. I needed to reach these numbers. I needed to da 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 because, because I need to reach this goal and this goal and this goal. And once I just kind of dismissed those goals entirely, or at least at this point, I literally don't have any goal for the future yeah. other than being the best person I can be and allowing life to take me where it will. Um, I was telling you the last time that I think at this point in my life, I feel most comfortable being a vessel more than anything else. Rather than me feeling like I need to act and achieve every single thing out of life, I just know that I was made for a purpose in the same way that we were all made for. And what I'm trying to tap into is being in alignment with that purpose. So if I've been given this platform with however many thousand people to speak on, I don't think that that just came by accident. And I don't think that that's something that I did on my own. Like when I write, um, I think that when I speak or when I put a piece out, it's not so much, oh, this is my work, this is my piece. I feel like, if anything, I'm being spoken through. I'm more of just like a vessel, like a filter to get a message across. And I think once I kind of adopted that mindset, I'm so comfortable in it because it takes so much weight off of me mm-hmm. feeling like I need to achieve so much in life. And it's just like, okay, I'm being spoken through, I'm being used. And the more I can tap into that is the more I can just sit back and allow life to happen. So I watched an interview with Coolio not too long ago. <laughs> and it's a weird transition, I know. But he said the exact same thing, like almost verbatim about writing Gangsta's Paradise. Mm. Was he said, it, like it, it, he sat down for like four hours and it just came to him. Mm. Like he was, and he, he used the exact same word. He said, I was a vessel that it just sort of came through. So do you, th- do you think that that's like, is that release of ego i think in a way i think my biggest battle is like with the idea of ego for one trying to understand it and trying to understand when i'm acting inside of it to act outside of it which creates like some anxiety in my mind a lot of the time um but yeah i think why why anxiety anxiety because i think that sometimes i'll just be being me but because of how my mind works i'll be thinking that like oh you're talking just like simple things. You're talking too much. You need to talk uh. about like things like that. But it's because I'm trying to like get away from that ego. And then it's like, it's like, I think the human mind just creates problems that don't, ex- that doesn't exist. So oh, I even absolutely. try to step outside of that. Like, oh, I'm just talking. Like, that's where the- I got the confidence from yesterday. Like, it- I really got this realization that we can just be ourselves, you know, and that's allowed. Once you accept that you don't have to be perfect, you don't have to be the non egotistical guy. Because if you and yourself, just have the intention of not being egotistical. I think that's enough. Like just the effort of not being that, even if you perceive that way, you know where your heart is. So I think that automatically, the more you're honest with your heart, overall is going to be understood. Mm. That's something we talked about before, Manu, is uh, I think I said something along the lines of, you know, just make that statement and be wrong later. Mm. Yeah, because if you have good intentions, man, like you tried, 
You try. All you can do is try. Like sometimes you miss. Like sometimes. I mean, I play baseball. Sometimes you swing. You have a great swing, but you missed. Mm. You know. That's you try great. again. Like <laughs> sometimes you swing and it was a horrible swing and you hit. Like it just happens. Mm. But I think you swing for sure. Uh, <laughs> the last time I swung a baseball bat, I threw my back out and I haven't swung one since. Okay. So that was well, it. I, just, I was just like, I'm done. If you're Scott, don't swing. <laughs> <laughs> Sit in a chair gracefully. <laughs> but if you're you know, somebody that doesn't have those issues, you know, swing the baseball bat. Because you can always later say like, yo, I was wrong. Mm. You can apologize if you need to. I don't think you ever really need to apologize if you have good intentions. You can if you really feel like it's going to do something a lot for that person. Like, you know, I'm I'm very sorry this this hurt you. I really meant this, this, and this. And if that person can't sit there and be like, okay, I can see that you at least were trying something and you recognize you were wrong, here's the next step. I, I think it's really valuable to get to that space. Mm. I think it's really valuable to be wrong and be able to own it later. Because mm. the amount of growth that happens there is just uh, insurmountable in any other way. Mm. Like, have you ever thought, Oh man, somebody told me yesterday uh, a great story about how there was somebody in a group project at school and everybody was pulling their weight on this big group project and this one person wasn't. And the whole time they were harping on this person, especially her. She was like, yo, why aren't you pulling your weight? What's wrong with you? Not asking like actually what's wrong with you, mm. but like uh, you're making this all hard on us. You know, why are you so selfish? Blah, 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 blah. Whatever it was said during this uh, month period of doing this group project mm. or multiple months. And at the end of it, she found out that a week after the project was put in and they were really harsh towards him and he didn't show up to class and all this other stuff, that his mother died of cancer. Mm. And the whole time he was dealing with that. Mm. He's trying to help his mother. And nobody ever once asked, like, hey, why are you not here? Mm. Are you okay? Are you whatever? And that, like, inspired her to be like, oh, shit. I need to really... Instead of feel focus on how I'm being affected, really figure out what's actually happening with somebody else. Mm. Really ask and really care, and that mistake in her life sparked her caring about others significantly more mm. and actually having empathy. She realized that she was not empathetic at all. Mm. She only focused on herself. Now, that's okay to be there, and she recognized that. And she's like, okay, now how do I take that? How do I accomplish that? And if she didn't, if she wasn't an asshole in that moment, wasn't unempathetic. I wasn't able to own that. I mean, that would have never happened. So I think it's important to, you know, if you're going to be something and have these feelings towards something, be it, be a bold version of it, be wrong. Because mm. that opens up the space to then, you know, fix it later. You can be self reflective towards it. Yeah. Because if, if somebody, like you were saying before, and I super agree with, one action doesn't define somebody, mm. it just doesn't. But if there's a, a habit of that, and that person has an awareness that they do this thing habitually, they don't try at all to fix it, and they know it hurts people. Mm. Yeah, that's that's somebody that really should lose value. I'm kind of curious, though, because you're talking about you know your intention of like trying to be maybe not a better version, but a different version of yourself day to day. How much do you di- how much do you differentiate yourself from the other as opposed to? Um, define who you are because Matthew's story is you know this girl in this group was defined her own actions by how she interacted with somebody else mm-hmm. but I guess to an extent you like you need that stimulus to grow mm-hmm. but if you're like it sounds like your stimulus is coming from sort of maybe more within 
Yeah, I think um, when I compare my, say myself today to myself two years ago, five years ago, however long ago, even to the versions of myself that I dislike, I try not to separate myself. I try not to think of myself as, oh, I'm better now. Right. It's it's more of an acceptance. Like, this is who I was then, and now I'm working on it. Because I think it's it's also the seed that we plant in our own minds. Like, if I in myself view myself as needing to be better than others, to feel, or better than a past version of myself, to feel good about who I am now, I think it translates to when you interact with other people too. Like, I'm going to feel the need to be better than someone else, to feel better, to feel better about myself. So, more than anything else, I think that's an important thing that I would try to work on too is not only the seeds I plant in other people's lives, but the seeds I plant in my own mind because that defines, even on a subconscious level, how we go about acting with others. That's, that's a, that was a very beautiful way of putting that. That's something that I think I've naturally, whenever, I naturally did it without thinking about it because mm. I just started accepting myself and like owning like, okay, this is who I am right now. And I don't like that aspect, but this is who I am, and overall I'm beautiful. So, right. you know, whatever, I'm going to work on that, but this is who the fuck I am. This is cool. Okay. And then in the future, I don't like, yeah, I guess nowadays in the past maybe two or three years, I don't like shit on my two-year-ago self. Two years ago, I was like, yeah, I did struggle with that, but I was cool then too. Yeah, you're still you at the core of it all. And I think like right. even with your mindset, it's like you're always having the intent of like getting better. Um, or, or working on yourself, like you right. say. So it's not so hard to just look and be like, I messed up. Yeah, I was, I was trying. <laughs> I was trying, you know. Are you going to blame me for trying? Mm. Yeah, I messed up. Okay, I, I get it. And like you said, trying, I think, and just in any regard, it's, and I like the point you made, just like trying is what's worth more than achieving. Trying is what's worth more than like getting to the result because if we don't try, if we don't try, fail, try, and achieve, it's like we're never going to get to an achievement. We're never going to get, and I, I don't think, we would even be able to appreciate any kind of achievement. If you get to a version of yourself where you're like, yes, this is who I am, how would you even appreciate who you are had you not been like everything you were before? You know, and we're constantly, like, like I said before, life, it, it works in a way where you're constantly gonna be growing, we're constantly developing. So you're never gonna get to a point where you feel like, this is exactly who I need to be. Because once right. you're there, it's I like, hit it. I'm there at the finish line. <laughs> I, I, I had a mentor once say to me, and I've always held on to it because um, I'm an artist, I draw. So mm. um, he said, as an illustrator, you're always going to want to be the illustrator that you are 10 years from now. Mm. Um, the trouble is, once you reach that 10 year mark and you <laughs> see yourself drawing in that way, you'll go, well, yeah, but I want to be where I, I want to be 10 years ahead from this point. Word. And what's funny, uh, I've even realized sometimes I look back on content I made like five years ago, like, man, I wish I still had that. Like, there's, st there's always an aspect, like, you know, like as we grow, like you trade off things and you gain things. Oh, yeah. But there's always yeah. aspects of your youth that you might want back. And there's aspects of your idealized future that you want to get to. So it's just like just accepting like the now of like, who am I now? And what can I work on? And what, you know, yeah. shit, stuff like that. And making sure you're handling right now, too. That's mm. something I've struggled with is... So when I my entryway into art and expression was poetry and singing. And during that time, my entryway, I was incredibly talented. I could have done whatever I wanted with it. Mm -hmm. But I was always just so focused on, man, is this right? Man, is this right? Is this the right thing? Should I be doing this? Should I be mm -hmm. bothering people with this? And if I would have just made music, that would have been a hell of a platform because, wow, was I talented looking back compared to even like now if I try to do things. Mm -hmm. Now I'm more like talented with like music and producing and beat making, whereas then I wasn't as much. But even like singing voice, et cetera, a totally different ballgame, but I didn't take care of business then. Mm. I didn't get it recorded, even though I had recording studio time. I didn't 
make the final product. Like it's important to take care of wherever you're at now, not worrying about how it might affect your life in the future because you don't know. Mm. You're never going to know. If you're living a really authentic life, it's going to go in ways you never expect. Mm. If you really know where your life's going to be in five years, like what a boring life. <laughs> Why are you doing that? It's like every step you make is like towards one specific direction. Right. Like you really rob you lose all those steps. Right. Every step can be really fun and exciting. Like every day I wake up and just like I look at my like counter like, oh wow, I have this interview that mm. I set up like two weeks ago. This is gonna be fun. Right. I don't like even remember the whole time. I don't anticipate it. Just let maybe, it happen. Maybe the night before to prepare. That's about it. Mm. But I mean by the same token, I think some people are okay with that with that regularity. True. Right. I'm being judgmental. Yeah. With with that habit having a path laid out to, to sort of walk. Mm. There's a structure around that that is comforting. Yeah, stability. A lot of people trade a lot for stability. Mm. But which is fine too. Balance. I think maybe just balance. Mm. Yeah, you're finding your own balance of it. Because everybody has a different balance of what some people need to be really financially stable or really stable in their relationship or partnership or really stable in their home life or really stable in their job. Mm. I guess everybody has a different uh, picking of the, the figs off the tree type thing. To that point, um, I don't know if it relates entirely, but I realized this year that for like the past four or five years, I had been, I had felt this unfulfillment in myself. And I was always wondering like, okay, I was always setting goals like, okay, maybe when I get this amount of subscribers, I'll feel fulfilled. Or maybe when I start being financially stable, I'll finally be fulfilled. Maybe when I get a girlfriend and find love, I'll finally be fulfilled. And what I found was that like, I would always as soon as I achieved these things, the moment I got them would be the moment I realized this is not enough. Um, and that, I think, plays back into like the faith that I have now. It's when I stopped looking outwards to kind of fulfill myself is when I really found fulfillment, is when I really realized that I'd been using, it's like I'd been using things outside of me to try to fill a hole that was never meant to be filled by anything outside of me. So that's why I constantly felt unfulfilled in life. So once I kind of like, to, I had a month where I just like I was just by myself. It, granted, I think God came in and like took all, took everything, took my friends, like took my like YouTube content, took everything. You weren't to just like being an asshole. It was it's God's fault now. See, the thing <laughs> is, the, the thing is, the way the way it happened is that it's like I had just gone, I had went through that this traumatic experience, and when I would reach out to friends to like help me or reach out to friends for advice, it's like no one would be there for oh, me, goodness. and it just made me realize in myself like wow, like. When I'm feeling great, when I'm feeling phenomenal, all these people are around me. But and I'm even when people are going through their lows, I'm there. Like, hey, I'm here to talk to you. But when I'm going through a low, mm. I didn't. And it could be me being an asshole. But it could be me have. I could have been like asking more for someone than they were like able to offer, which I Maybe. think still goes back into the this revelation that we often try to use things, we put things on pedestals and try to use them to fill holes that they're never meant to fill. And then we end up disappointed when they're not able to live up to the standards that we set that they never asked for anyways. So now it's like, I, I kind of realize like it has to come from inside. If you're looking for fulfillment in life, like if you're looking for confidence, like which is what I struggled with for a while, um, it's not something that you could get from outside because if you get it from outside of you, it feels great when it's there, but it also means that things that are outside of you can take it away. You know, and it, it takes one second for, I'll spend weeks building my confidence and it takes one person coming in and like saying a comment and then it shatters completely. But I think when you spend the time and you find that within yourself, it comes from somewhere that is not of the world. So it's like nothing in this world can take it from you once you've found it for yourself.
That's something. There are so many things you said in that that like sparked like, oh wow, that's cool. Oh wow, that's cool. Oh wow, that's cool. <laughs> so there's there's so many things to talk about on that. Uh, the one I would like to dive into more is uh, the idea of friends putting them on pedestals mm. that they can't reach because I we recognize at all times that everything we're doing externally is trying to fill something unless you're just like responding to it, which is what I agree with and obviously you agree with is like whatever comes comes and we'll make something from it. Right, but if you're not doing that, and subconsciously, your subconscious is going to tr- constantly try to fill that. Like, I feel hungry. Food. I'm going to put myself near food. I'm going to position myself near food. I'm thirsty. I'm going to position myself near water. If I'm lonely, I'm going to position myself towards romance. And then in your relationships, you're going to position yourself too, unless you're like constantly curating and not allowing yourself to do that and fill those holes in that way. Mm. Then you're constantly going to be doing that. So, like, you have friends that you bring in. You're like, wow. We had this great conversation one time, and this could potentially be romantic. And then, because it doesn't get romantic, there's like a weirdness towards that person now because mm. it didn't hit that hole, didn't fill that hole. But they were never going to fill it in the first place. They were never compatible in the first place. But because you were longing, mm. it allowed them to be viewed in such a space or whatever it might be. Or exactly like a friend that you're like, oh, I supported them because I was able to support them. So of course they can support me back, but mm. they're just not capable. Mm. Like I went through a pretty awful experience back in like March. That uh, it showed me first off, I have incredible friends. Uh, holy shit, I have good friends. And then some people just weren't able to support. They weren't able to do that, even though I could support them every day. Mm-hmm. And that was never the relationship, is that they could support back. I just, you know, was kind of entitled to because I give this, I get this back. And that's just not how life works. Mm-hmm. You know, life's not fair. Major point there. Um, I think that's also a revelation I made um, for myself is just in realizing that I had that feeling for myself of like, oh, I can't believe you wouldn't give this back to me after I did this for you. Um, after a while, I realized, well, do we give love in order just to get it back? Because in, in that sense, it's a conditional love. It's it's a, I will give this to you because I'm expecting it back. And I think love is something that should just be shared unconditionally. Like, I will give it because I have it to give. And it's also like this loan you're giving out. You're like a loan shark. Mm. Let me loan you this love. <laughs> and you better Word. fucking pay me back as much as I think you should. Word. And it's just like, how devious. And that's something I've been trying to pull from my life as much as possible is like anytime I go to do anything, mm. the only time I expect a return is if it's like I say up front, like, hey, I'm giving you this. Like, this is what I kind of expect. Mm. And otherwise, I just try to give and then just lose that. Like, even if I give money in a situation, I just imagine myself that that's gone now. Mm. like that's it like I made this investment I'm not looking for a return I just thought it was worth the investment I thought X thing was worth $60 Mm. hopefully it is and then I just like lose that I don't lose I lose all the expectation I just try to set myself up and position myself for success with how I utilize my time and space and relationships and ever since then I mean the friendships I've garnered have been uh, the people that were never going to be a good friend have drifted off and the people that are going to be good friends. It doesn't matter what happens. They're, they're there and the relationship blossoms more and more and it's been more open. How I've been treated has been more beautiful and people have been more willing to support me. Mm. More beautiful people have came in and it just naturally happens when you lose that expectation with people. As you were saying, just give unconditionally. Mm. Yeah, I was going to ask if you saw the if you saw your your personal relationships develop more after you stopped expecting the relationships oh, yeah. to meet a certain standard. Oh, yes. Or, I mean... The life I live now, when I really look and see how many friends I get to see each week and how they treat me and how I treat them, it's just like, there's no way most people ever get to experience this. Like, mm. I am so ridiculously blessed with friendships. It's ridiculous. And it's not too much. 
Mm. I have dozens of friends that are they're beautiful friendships. And every time we talk to each other, it's nothing but love. And it's because mm. we don't do that to each other. And how you get to that point is you have to do your part. And a lot of times people aren't going to do their part. You know, a lot of times they are going to put that stressor on you. But if they do, you just keep giving. And at some point, sometimes people meet you. Like mm. I have certain friends that for a long time were being really egotistical towards me and arrogant towards me and not treating me fairly. But I kept giving them love and kept giving them love and kept giving them love and they didn't run away. Mm. They kept accepting it and then now they really give it back. Like mm. I didn't push them away. I didn't shove people out. People that weren't going to do it, they just walked out. They left. What's, what's the point though where, because um, you guys are saying you give unconditionally, you give love unconditionally and I get that, you do, but there's a point where <clears throat> you can't give too much of yourself like there, oh, there, yeah. there really is a, there really is a cutoff point where like mm. i notice it with my daughter i have an eight-year-old daughter and i have a certain amount of energy per day to give the entirety of my life mm. so she has a certain amount of my energy per day but there's a point where it cuts off and like i've just i've got nothing left and mm. then love doesn't go away but it's like Baby, you just gotta, you gotta take a break. Right? All right. <laughs> like, sweetie, you gotta go, you gotta go do your thing. All right. So it's like, if you're giving, if you're giving unconditionally to uh, everybody around you, but also you have to kind of reserve something for yourself. For yourself, how, right. How are you making that differentiation between, between, maybe not differentiate, that's the wrong word. How do you, um, how do you compartmentalize your mm. energy expenditure? throughout that when you're like no expectation right i think it's something i'm definitely still working on um for myself but i think i'm in the place now where i just kind of realize at least in my life when it comes to love it's it's funny how it works that like the more love you give it's like an unlimited resource that will restock itself the more of it that you give out like when i go out and sometimes i go downtown and i like i'll go to walmart i'll buy like a case of water and i'll go downtown and just give them out to homeless people like to me it is oh, this shit, really yeah That's amazing. <laughs> it's a simple act of love but like in doing so, sometimes I'll have conversations with these people and without even realizing, without me even expecting anything back, like these people give me more than I believe that I'm giving them, you know, like just by the, I'll be having conversations like the party that I met um, him at actually um, it was downtown. I walked outside. I was feeling very anxious while I was at the party. So I went and took a walk. As soon as I, I was walking, there's a homeless guy sitting and I was just like, hey, man, like, how are you feeling today? just trying to like offer love. Mm. When I asked him how he was feeling, he was telling me about his life. And in him telling me that, like he actually turned around and gave me advice on everything that, like he basically said everything I needed to hear that day. And it was like, I just realized like the more love you give is kind of like the more it will restock itself in your life. But um, there is a point in understanding that love from a distance is still love. You know, like I can offer love. I can see that if somebody, if I'm offering love to somebody, and it's to a point where it's exhausting me because like when it comes to emotions, like it's something I believe should be a cycle I give. And because I'm giving out of me, like it's it's like lessening a tank that I have inside of me. But that tank gets replenished when that energy is returned and it creates a cycle in that way. Um, I think we get emotionally exhausted when we're constantly giving and giving and giving, but our emotional tank isn't being refilled. Um, so I think in that, it sometimes you can realize that, yes, I may love this person, but I may need to love this person from a distance because all they're doing is taking. Um, it doesn't mean that I dislike this person or hate them. It just means that I need to preserve myself so that I'll still have love to give. 
it, it's interesting. Like I've, I've been having a conversation with my daughter. She's down in New Orleans, and I just recently moved here. So mm. we kind of have we're working on our distant relationship mm. over over a distance. And she was talking to me about how um, she's aged. She's in grade three, so she's getting to that point where friends are starting to cycle out. Mm-hmm. And I'm having to explain to her how um, not everybody who's in your life at any given moment is going to be there for any specific amount of time, mm. which is challenging to actually verbalize and put into words, which I kind of think you did in a, in a way there where the the notion of that love that's getting refilled um, naturally needs, that tank naturally needs to get filled. Mm. So those points where you have those people coming in and giving you something, if they're not filling it up, and it's not like you have an expectation of them, it's just it's that human need of not needing to be drained all the time. Right. To feel some fullness, which I think is the feminine side of ourselves. I think the masculine is released and the feminine is full. Mm. And all good. So that's something too that I recognize like the fullness and not fullness is that because something I try to break apart is like, you know, what is love and what's not love? Because love is a concept. Mm. Like it, it could be this thing, but we express love through an interpretation. Like somebody that loves making music they might express love through their music because they find value in that. So like how we express love is through sharing value. Whatever we find valuable, if we give that value, that's how we're expressing love, whatever that concept, whatever it might be. So if you lose value to give whatever you value, then that's like that gauge. Like if I can give you these positive emotions and these positive emotions I consider to be an interpretation of how I give love mm-hmm. and somehow that, that empties, mm-hmm. then I can't give love anymore but what you're really not able to give is not necessarily love, but how you give love, your means of giving love lessons. Mm. Because you don't love that person less. You just can't give them the value that typically your love gets expressed through. And I see, I think that's an important point that um, I've been reading this book, The Five Love Languages, and it's kind of really explained that like, oh, it's very important. It's a very important book. Um, I think that the, the mistake that a lot of us often make is that the way in which we are used to giving love is the way in which people can accept love. And I think when you really, if you're going to say you love somebody, you don't just love them in the way that you are used to offering that love. You learn them in, and learn the way in which they're used to accepting love or in the way that they can accept love. Like, for instance, um, like my dad, he's not very good at communicating, but he's a hard worker. So he will go out and work all day for his family. But It'll, like our family, his family will be at home needing like communication, like words, and like need talking. So it's like I realized in that like you can do so much for people, like you can be working twelve hours a day for people, but they it doesn't mean that they will be able to even translate that love mm-hmm. because if they need from you like emotional support and you're working for them, giving them money, then it's like it's not the it's the love is there on both ends, but it's not being translated. So I think love becomes more than this. I'm offering and actually just kind of in a way taking responsibility for who am I giving this love to and how do they translate this love? How can I love you in a way that you will understand it, in a way that you can accept it? And I think um, the book is important because it not only shows you your love languages and how in which not only how you give love, but how you accept love, which is usually like very different, but also other people. It gives you like just this, this cognizance of, okay. I need to not only consider myself, but also the people in which I'm interacting with and how to interact with them specifically. I think we had talked about that one time. Like when you talk to people, you have a way of, yeah, you have a way of like getting to know somebody to know how to talk to them in order to get them to open up rather than just 
I'm going to be honest, so I expect you to be honest, you know? <laughs> like, right, and that's another one of those things, too, is uh, you know, everybody's honest in their own way. And some people are more honest than others, for sure. But that just stems from like being honest with yourself. Mm. But even if you're having this honest conversation, if the conversation's in different languages, you're both speaking English, but one emotion's being represented versus the other person being in a totally different emotional space, like if some person's really angry and some person's really calm, unless that calm person is trying to help level out that angry person, the angry person's trying to express why they're angry, mm. then how can you even talk? Like if the calm person's just remaining calm and not meeting halfway and recognizing where that person's emotionally at, this person says a word, but that word really has all this emotion behind it where somebody else says a word and there's like a lackadaisical thing behind it. And if mm. you can't recognize where that is, you're not even speaking the same language. You're just saying random things. And then there's this disharmony. You know, like when you talk to somebody some, sometimes and you say something and you know they heard you, but they, they're not there with you. Mm. And you're talking, but they're not there with you. They're in a totally different space in their life. Mm. Like right now, I was talking here. We're pretty much in the same space. We're in this room, in a sense. Mm. But there's a lot of conversations you have where that person's in a whole different, wherever they're at, emotional mm. space. And you just can't connect in that moment. Even though you're saying all the same things. Hello, how are you? This is what I'm doing in life. This is exciting. You can't like own that. You know when you like hear somebody say something, you're like, wow, that's beautiful. And you feel it. Mm. Like, wow, it's amazing you get to experience that. That's so beautiful. But then other times somebody says something that's really cool, but you don't feel anything from it. It's not translated. It. You don't feel anything from it, even though you're saying the same exact words. And it, a lot of it has to do with the context and the packaging of how you present it. A lot of it's too, like being consistent with your body language. And a lot of it too is recognizing what relationship you have. There's a lot of times I would be really open with people that were not ready to have that relationship with me. Mm-hmm. They were ready to have fun with me. They were ready to play around with me. Oh man, uh, I wasn't even going there. Stop. <laughs> wasn't even where my mind was. You were on the train. You were heading into that. Man, I'm on a different track. <laughs> so so the, the love bit, I think, was interesting because my, my ex wife took a class in, um, God damn it, Dale Carnegie, the Dale Carnegie class. Mm. Um, oh, the, um, I know exactly what you're talking anyway, about. It was, it's, it's a professional development class, but the development is that of relationships. Um, and this is under this is third hand, so I'm going to relate it as best I can. But mm. the one thing that stuck for me from the learning that she did that I read through was that um, when interacting with people in sort of like a professional business environment, um, the kindness that you match them is the essence of who they are in that environment. Mm-hmm. So you're speaking about your dad who uh, works hard. So like I would imagine, and I'm kind of going to, I think I'm using kindness and love interchangeably here. Um, the love that you would show him would probably be work alongside him. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's where I've, I've, I've personally struggled because I don't, I've never understood that, that notion of, and I see it in my daughter too, which is kind of fun. I don't know if it's fun, but it's funny. Um, is that she and I both don't understand when somebody is outwardly cruel. Mm. So like she sees it with her friends right now as they're starting to grow and distance themselves, but like um, aggressively distance themselves of like, I don't like this thing about you. Mm. Um, so I'm the part that I'm interested in, and I like that you touched on that with love is that matching that kindness or that love to somebody else is matching the essence of who they are in that moment, even if who they are in that moment is like a fucking monster. Mm. Um, I'm just not sure how to make that, how, how to make that leap to people who are in a space that I don't want to be in. But if you're in that space with somebody, 
that is a negative space. Yeah. How do you make that? How do you make that transition to be? I'm okay with you being terrible. I'm going to, in kindness, I'm going to be terrible along with you. <laughs> I would think. I would think it takes time, if anything. And again, just like kindness. I think it just just offering kindness always, or offering love to your best ability. Mm-hmm. I think that's all you like. I think you would tell me the the last time we talked, like. It's not your business in a way. And to me, when you had said it, it sounded mean. I was like, man, that's a harsh way to go about it. But I think when you explained it, it wasn't so much about saying it's not my business, how you feel. It's more about what's, what is my business is intention. What is my business is I what's tried. being expressed. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, I think again, it does. The only part I did disagree with the it, it's not my business part is that I think it, it takes work, but it's important to be cognizant of anybody who's like outside of you, cognizant of who you're dealing with and what they might be dealing with, because you never know what a person's day might be going like. Like if if I'm, I don't get road rage when I'm driving, because if somebody cuts me off or if somebody honks at me, it's like in my mind, it's not. Yeah, it's not like I'm not gonna get mad. It's more like, okay, what might you be dealing with? You know, um, a certain a simple philosophy that I try to go by um, in life is seek to understand before being understood. So before trying to explain yourself or try to like assert yourself, try to understand why other people, you know, might go about life in the way that they do. So I, I think that's just like, in my opinion, um, has helped in, in that regard. That's kindness. That's, yeah. I think that's exactly what you're speaking to is that's like, that's a kindness and compassion of just like, well, like having a person honk at me is just like, and? <laughs> right. going through something today that they need that outlet. Words. There's, uh, there's two things on that. So one is like when somebody's uh, upset or they're acting a certain way, and you're like, "Wow, why would they act that way?" Let me figure out. It's also too, like, let's say somebody keeps pushing that mold, and you're trying to be compassionate, and they're still not showing in any way they care that you're trying to be compassionate. They're just still being nasty towards you, or whatever it might be. Uh, what I default to is thinking, "Wow, you know, I'm." I recognize this, and I'm happy I don't have to experience being that person right now. Mm-hmm. Instead of like saying, "Wow, what a shitty person," it's like, you know, I really, I bring it back to me and be like, "Wow, I'm really blessed that I'm me in this situation versus them." Even though I'm the one being attacked, right. it's like, would I want to feel how that feels to feel like attacking? And then it that allows me to be empathetic to them. Is like, man, I'm, I'm glad I don't have to be them right now. Mm. How would that feel? And then it puts me in a space where it's like, I'm glad I get to be me, so I get to like maintain that calm head and then give them the best opportunity. To continue to be compassionate, it's like that extra fuel source of like that extra like notion of polarity that you know in this situation aren't I so happy I'm me? Because mm. so, sometimes when you feel attacked, you're like, wow, how could that person do that to me? Mm. Why do I have to be the victim in the situation? Why do I have to be? I'm, it's like you're the lesser uh, person. But when you realize that if somebody's attacking you, it's like, wow, they they're hurt in some way, mm. and I'm obviously not if I'm not recognizing what that is. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really good way to. Are you saying you're leaving the space within yourself open to them to be that way? Potentially, and respond in a way to where they're getting a reflection of it, mm-hmm. as opposed to me fueling that fire. Mm-hmm. Because if I buy into it too and say I'm the victim, you're the aggressor, it's like now they can own being the aggressor. But if I'm like I'm not the victim here, mm-hmm. this person is just angry. There's no victim. There's no aggressor. Even though I'm the one being attacked. This person's just outwardly feeling something that obviously I'm not dealing with. You know, I'm, now I'm a blank slate that they can kind of look at themselves through. You know, I'm just a mirror as opposed to now I'm, uh, 
not only reflecting what they're doing, but adding my own flavor to it. That oh, I'm the victim now, and then every, and how you handle being the victim is also a personal thing too. Mm. Like maybe when I'm victimized and I feel defensive, my insecurities come out, and I put insecurities onto them. And sometimes when you release insecurities, you might say something that really is harmful for them, all because you didn't recognize that that person's hurting, and that's why they're attacking you. Mm. And instead, just like really understanding, you're in a good spot, but. Sometimes, you know, people attack you, they hurt the wrong spots, and that just happens. So we're talking about relationships, but with the content that you make, mm. it's the content that you're making, my impression of it is it's mostly you. Like, it's just sort of you existing with yourself. Mm. Um, how, do you, how do you create content with, like, what, what, do, what are you using as, like Matthew said, what is your reflective surface that you, that you use to gauge what to create? Um, I think it varies by video and topic, but um, for the most part, it's my own life. Like I was saying, like I have this mindset where I'm always trying to be better than I was yesterday. So I think in that, when I write, it kind of comes out in that way. But I think more than anything, when I write and I create content again, it feels, when it's really true and honest, it feels more like a vessel more than anything else. And that's why I don't really, at this point, claim ownership over my work in a way i'm more so like I'm, I'm honestly like in a way glad to be me you know because i'm glad to be the vessel that's being spoken through um so in a way like when i create content it's just like i think an artist gets in a certain mind state sometimes i think they call it like the flow or something yeah. where it's just like everything flows out and i don't think that us as like humans we're all just like oh yeah 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent. we are all artists here <laughs> but um i think even in acknowledging that it's at least in the way my my mind works because I can acknowledge a flow where something is coming from beyond me and then being put through me and then putting being put on paper. I can't then take credit, like be the middleman and say, okay, now this is mine for me to sell and push and this. It's just like, okay, this is a message that was put through me, and I'm glad to have been the vessel. You know, I'm glad to have been the avenue for this work to come out. And now, when I put it onto the world, like for that reason, I don't really read comments. I don't really like look at analytics or anything like that because to me, that would be me, in my opinion, jumping back into my ego. It would be me trying to like take credit for something that came from beyond me in a way. Now you're quantifying it in a way that's not the actual intention. Like the intention was for provide value through, I mean, to yourself too, provide yeah. value to yourself and then share that with people. And that was it. And yeah. the moment you do that and express that, you've already provided the value if that's if the whole point is to express. And then if you look at the numbers, it's like, okay, now when you go to express again, it's like, how can I get these better numbers? And that's just naturally going to happen. Mm. So you're not, creating, you're not creating to an audience? Not at all, no. Um, Honestly, one of one of my more reoccurring videos is um, a letter to remind myself who I am, and to me, that's just something. It's something I write to myself because just in the way life works, sometimes, like you, at least in my life, I get confused in my head, I get confused in life, and I can always go back to those videos and almost remind myself of, oh, oh, this is what matters. This is what I'm about. This is who I am. This is what my priorities are, and I think for that reason, like my content or even my platform that's why i told you i don't really consider myself a brand or anything because i've never set out to i'm going to be a poet i'm going to be a youtuber it's always just came from a place of i'm going to express myself so now it's more like i'm grateful for the fact that there's a, a hundred thousand people who enjoy this content i'm grateful for the fact that this is affecting people but when it comes to me sitting down and writing it's just me writing to myself what i would be comfortable with what 
if I finish a piece, do I feel like my point has gotten across? Do I feel like I have expressed myself fully and honestly and thoroughly? Am I comfortable? Could I read this back and be comfortable and say, yes, you said all that needed to be said. Um, and once I do that, I think I'm completely comfortable there. I might, because of my skills, I can go film a video, I can like put a song under it, you know, but from there, it's just like adding accents. Once the, the core work, the, the, the vulnerability of it, yeah, the yeah. style, I think is honesty and and vulnerability and i think that's what people are attracted to more than anything else not just in my work but in art in general i think the more vulnerable we get is the more people can see themselves in you and that's what really creates that connection i think between audience and creator it's just being able to look at something like wow this is me this is something i've experienced this is something and it's like what i get more than anything is like people like to say like i put their thoughts into words um, which I think I've experienced with you and I've experienced with you too. Like you put my thoughts into words in a more concise way, um, which is really admirable. Um, I think that's because of the vulnerability that's attached to it. Because we're all human at the end of the day. We all go through the same things in different um, expressions because of like our lifestyles and our personalities. But there are core emotions. We go through love, heartbreak, and there are certain processes that happen naturally. So when somebody's able to get as close to their vulnerability as possible or as close to being as honest about their vulnerability as possible, I think it provides an area for people to really see themselves. And that's what people are attracted to, I would assume. You know, something that popped into my mind is uh, when you're being vulnerable, it's really hard to attack somebody else because mm. you're so... It's hard to lay yourself out there. So as you're laying yourself out there, you can't really focus on what else is going on. So when somebody's listening to vulnerability, they know in that moment that it, they can withdraw from themselves. Their guard can come down because this person has their guard down in a way that they couldn't even they couldn't attack you. Mm. Like it, it makes you feel safe. Right. So I think it does. It's like that safety allows for people to engage with it in a more like innate way, in a way that they can allow to really enter their life. Mm. Whereas a lot of music. It can't enter your life. It mm. has to be like distant. You can enjoy that chaos from a distance, but if you let that in, it's like, oh, but I really want to feel that. Right, exactly. And that sounds good, but I want to feel that. Whereas if you're being really vulnerable, it's like, you know, I, I do feel that. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to tell anybody. <laughs> I do feel that. Uh, Word. Or I can understand that somebody feels that, and I can at least recognize, like, okay, this person is feeling something. Mm. I'm a person that feels something. It might not be the same, but I can recognize they're feeling something. I'm glad they're doing this and then maybe like our insecurities pop up and be like ah oh, this person's being soft and mm. whatever it might be but deep down everybody's like cool yeah i wish i could do that right or i do do that and it's beautiful that person does that uh so that's really beautiful that because when i say brand mm. it's a uh, people still when they think miles carter it's still there's a, an image that pops in their head and that's what the branding Absolutely. is <laughs> so it's not your intention like when i go to do things I, I've tried building a brand, uh, like with the between two clouds thing, or myself and branding myself in a certain way. I'm too eccentric, mm. like I'm too weird and just all over the place to where anything I try to like present myself as, my personality shatters it. Word. <laughs> so now I just focus on all right. I'm gonna do all this cool stuff, but I'm just gonna be absolutely relentlessly myself. And mm. then however the branding comes out, the branding comes out. Mm. Like it's just this honesty that I'm giving to it, and I don't even know what that is yet. Mm. I'm gonna find out later. Right. <laughs> we'll see. I want I want you to be wearing uh, gray jogging pants with just relentless. <laughs> oh my <laughs> goodness. Relentless. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, in stores now. <laughs> stores now. <laughs> Relentless across the ass and your logo right on the I want to take that back. Like, you know how girls took that, the wording on the butt? Yeah. They, they took that. Mm-hmm. I don't know who had it first. Relentless. Well, they might have came up with fat, it, actually. Probably. They probably came up with it. I think like juicy or baby fat. Yeah, juicy. <laughs> juicy, right? Juicy and pink. I'm going to yeah. take that. And I'm going to put empowerment on there, on the ass. Word. Somebody checks out an ass and they're like, yo, feel better. <laughs> I'm now going to look at my life and be like, it's like kindness. It's like, oh. Word. That's a great twist. When I think of fat fats now, I'm going to think of kindness. Word. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think um, I definitely, at least in this age, I think that's the approach that people need to start taking more towards their brands or, you know, the images. Because what I, what I even realized in my own life, because I don't, Again, because I don't look at analytics and anything like that, I am definitely ignorant to like the way that I am presented or the way that my image is like assumed. So there is a part in that where like you have to be cognizant of your image and like who people might think you are. If even if it's just to break that down to like bring people to like who you actually are. Um, But I think there's also truth in. really separating yourself from the idea of an image because the way I kind of see it is that no matter what you do in life, people will always have images of you. So you could be sitting in a room here, you're gonna have an image, you're gonna have an image, I'm gonna have an image just naturally because we all have different perceptions, different life experiences. So if we live our lives trying to set up an image or live by an image, it really is gonna put us in a position where we're always gonna feel like we're not ourselves, or we're always gonna be somewhere in between somewhere because people's opinions will always change. You know, and if you base your if you base who you are or what you are on how you're perceived, then I think that it might be great when people perceive you as great. Like there was a perceive time when you how you think. Yeah. Wait, what did you say? It's like you set this image, I want you to perceive me this way, and it's mm. great when they perceive you that way. Right. But then when you're not, it's like the worst. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's like Kanye West. Kanye West was like the greatest rapper of all time for like however many however many and years, producer. right? And then he came out and now he came to a point where he was like going through, a, I think he was going through like a, a transition or just in his own life and it caused him to change his opinions and a lot of things that people previously supported him for supporting and when he changed that, it's like everybody turned against him, you know? And I think what I saw in that was that people didn't really enjoy Kanye West as a person. People enjoyed the version of Kanye West that the idea the idea of Kanye West. So what I can respect about him, even though I don't really agree with a lot of his politics per se, or I don't agree with the way he goes about expressing things, but I can't judge that because I have trouble with the same thing. We all do. Um, what I can admire about Kanye West, though, is that I think in any artist, once they step outside of the image of who they're expected to be. Yes, there are going to be people who may not like it, but there's also going to be people who, like, even if you don't like it, you have to respect it because, or at least me, I have to respect Kanye West because he's at a point now where he's being himself fully, explicitly. I don't like all that he says. I don't agree with a lot of, like, his politics, but I can respect somebody being themselves and not being an image. Or being dynamic. Like, there's a lot of people that they stay the same image their whole life just so they can make bank off it. I remember when I said that he puts everything in a very concise and like just like amazing way. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I, like, I, got, I, got, um, I got that moment of chills when you said, um, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna have to listen back, but it was uh, when you take yourself out of the image mm. um, yeah. that everybody else expects you to be. Mm. That's something, it's so funny you say Kanye for that because uh, so there's not a lot of, like I don't really listen to other people a lot. 
I listen to everything they say and then I filter out, keep what I want to keep, let it go, let it on, let go. Mm-hmm. Kanye actually has a quote that I specifically is from him that I remember is him talking about people getting upset with him changing his image, exactly what we're talking about. And saying like, you know, people they expect me like to be a person and change and like have other aspects of me. They just expected me to be Kanye the rapper. Like I'm also Kanye the father and the friend and I'm Kanye mm-hmm. the this and the that. And I also like fashion and I'm the businessman. Like these are all aspects of me. I'm not just this. Mm. Like people just expect me to be just this because that's what they their perception. That's the idea of me is I'm just this. Like I'm a full person too, doing other person stuff. Right. And that's something that I look at is like in my life is like I run com. A lot of people think I just run comedy shows. That's just that's a hobby. I love comedy, so I run comedy shows. But it's so like I don't even do stand up comedy like that. I you know uh, technically a music producer and also like recording producer at this point. And now I have like this podcast. Like I do all these different things that are all over the place. Like I throw parties. I go to parties. I do psychedelics every now and then. Mm. Actually, it hasn't been like well over a year. But like that's so. But I like barely drink coffee. Like mm. when I drink coffee, I think that's a drug. So I'm like significantly more sober than most people. But because like I dive in and have done LSD or something, like uh, that perception of me is like, right. oh, he's a, he's a person who takes psychedelics. It's like, well, that's such a small part. Right. There's such a bigger picture happening here. And then just like how I treat people is different too. I have people I don't like. Mm. I I say I don't like. Mm. I let them know. And then there's a <laughs> <laughs> Scott pointed out himself. Uh, but then there's people that I adore. Mm. There's people I adore that I know they don't like me. And I let them know. I'm like I don't. I'm cool that you don't like me, man. I you're great. Right. And then there's other people that like they think I'm great, and I'm just like I don't think you're great. Mm. There's so much dynamic in everything, and everybody has this dynamic, but they don't own it. Because they're so afraid to step outside of that image because that's what makes them valuable is that image. Usually people go to the image that people validate. And I think that's a great point that touches back on the internal portion of everything. If you if you find that value in yourself where you can accept that you are a dynamic human being, which we all are, and we are made to be that way, that's why we're made to be able to express and do all these cool things and even things that we may not innately be able to do, we can learn a skill and do it well, you know, like... Um, I think when you accept that, not only yourself, but just human beings in general are dynamic, we stop putting people, not only people, but ourselves in boxes, and we just allow people to exist in the way that they're supposed to. We allow people to graduate and change and develop, and it's accepted. That's kind of like what I see like an ideal society looking for. I mean, looking like a society where people, even artists in themselves, are allowed to change and grow and develop freely without having to fit inside a box. Like if somebody becomes famous for being a singer, it's like, oh, you have to be a singer for the rest of your life. But now I'm starting to see artists like rappers are investing in real estate, you know, like singers are acting like I love the fact that human beings are getting to a point where we're accepting like just because I do one thing or just because I'm successful off one thing doesn't mean that this is what I have to do for my entire life. I can also try this and try this and entertain this. I think that's part of the image, right? Mm. Like that, that's the image that I've been stuck in as like an illustrator. Like as an illustrator, I wanted to draw comic books. So mm. I've drawn comic books for a decade and I'm at a point right now where it's, I don't know if that is my image because I don't I just I legitimately don't know if that fits me anymore mm. but that's what I, people valued you as for yeah, so long that's well, that's I, how you entered the conversation yeah and I mean that's how I just like uh, express myself as like a valuable human being right, right. now mm. but by the same token I'm looking at it going I don't know if that's my value anymore mm. but so finding that finding that exit that exit off the off the train platform or whatever right now exiting from that image up is a really hard thing to do because I, I even notice with myself I'm 
getting drawn into other comic book projects. And mm-hmm. I don't know if any of them are going to pan out, but it's because I'm gravitating back to something I know while mm-hmm. trying to spice in pepper in things that I don't know. Well, I would ask if you've done comic books for like a decade and that's, you said that's how you kind of see yourself as being, as being a valuable human being. I did. Yeah. Did. Yeah. Um, what point would you say you're right now? Like where, how, what makes you feel like a valuable human being? <laughs> for some context when I asked him the same question he said that fulfilling others um, made him you said that providing value providing to others, value to, others providing out value to people I care about yeah Word. the one thing that I've always I've always done well and I've always maintained that I'm at my best at um, is the the creation of con- uh, not content it's like general but like um, stories I'm good at I'm good at uh, understanding um, the concepts of a fictional story mm-hmm being able to map out the entire arc of that story and creating the aesthetic of it. So mm. that story doesn't necessarily just have to be comic books, cartoons, um, you know, even this series of videos on my daughter and I are going to start producing. Like it's gonna be there's gonna be story elements within that. That's the one place I think I can add value. Mm. But it's finding the actual The medium? The medium for that is the part that I'm at. Like I've been in comic books for so long, I look at it going there's, it's not it's not a widely read genre. Mm. Like it's not a widely consumed genre. Yes, it's in movie theaters and television screens, um, very accessible, but the actual physical selling of the paper, mm. much less so. So it's how like I'm I'm at that I'm at that transition point of how do I apply what I know myself to be, what I know to be of value within me, and what I've learned and what I've grown, what I've cultivated, now in a different arena. Mm. In, sure in an infant stage. Yeah. So this is something that popped up the past like minute in my brain is there's this guy once in Costa Rica at a festival called a Vision Festival in 2017. And I didn't recognize how arrogant I was at the time. Uh, I wasn't like arrogant in terms of like comparably nobody would consider me arrogant. But like in that moment. I pictured you with a monocle. <laughs> oh my arrogant. goodness, dude. I, I, I need to get a monocle. Mm. Uh, but that's another another area of life. Right. Um, <laughs> very specific situations. <laughs> So I was just walking around this like massive festival grounds and I was walking through the area where people were camping and there's like music happening at stages well off and I was just finding this other stage. I, was, I think I was heading to like the yogic area where people are doing a bunch of yoga and tantric yoga, blah, 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 talks and stuff like that. And I was walking past and there's this tent set up with a few tents and then there's this uh, kind of walkway entrance thing where it said uh, free advice. And in my brain, I'm like, okay. This is interesting. Let's let's see what this is about. Let's see what this is about. And I had somewhat of an open mind. Then I sit down. And like, well, what would you need? What would you like advice on? And I'm like, that's interesting to ask. And I'm like, oh, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. And somehow this this fucking wizard of a human <laughs> <laughs> picked me apart, inch by fucking inch. Like he's like, what you know? What do you struggle with? And somehow they asked me the right questions. Where I'm like, yeah, I don't really like that people value me. As less than I am, mm. like extra, that's something I've struggled with my whole life. Is I recognize there was a value, and then people weren't picking up on that value, but saw, but would recognize other people's value. But that really came down to I just didn't have the right people around me. That was also there's a lot to that. No reason to get into it. But anyways, he picked that apart, and he's like, oh well, he didn't even dress that directly, being like, well maybe you need to be around better people. 
That was not his advice. Mm -hmm. His advice went into this whole area that I did. It took me months to understand, maybe years, <laughs> mm -hmm. maybe years. And he crushed it, <laughs> crushed it. And he was talking about how, you know, when you see like a baby crawling, nobody's looking at that baby like, yo, you can't walk. They're looking, <laughs> they're looking at that baby being like, yo, that's cool. Right. Look at you growing and fighting and learning, and you're going to walk soon, and that's going to be beautiful. That's how we, we respond to infancy. It's like, oh, you're learning. Mm. Oh, you're trying things out. Oh, you're, you're not like shitting on the baby crawling. Mm. But the thing is, we all have areas of infancy in us, things that we haven't gone into, things we haven't discovered. And like in, for you, you're an adult when it comes to creating comic books. You've done it. But doing it through another medium... You're in infancy, and it's scary to be an infant when you're an adult because you're valid as an adult, and you want to be valuable, but when you go into the state of infancy, you're not valuable anymore. Mm. You're an infant. You are very vulnerable. It's a vulnerable place to be is be an infant. Mm. Do you know how easy it would be to kill an infant? I mean, you know how often that happens? It's a rare thing, and when it does, it's like atrocious because mm. it's built into us to care about that infancy, to care about people being vulnerable. It's literally built into humanity, but we're afraid of being vulnerable to others because of how people respond to us and treat us, mm. even though we're literally designed to really care and show compassion. Like we help that's that baby I'm... along. We help that we hold that baby's hand. Like, and that's how we treat each other naturally if we give vulnerability to people. Mm. So that's something that this guy, oh my God. Oh, actually, I remember his name. His name is Andrew Tansel. I'm pretty sure he has a YouTube series. If anybody's listening, man, right. <laughs> I don't know. If his videos are on it, I have no idea. All I know is, holy shit, this guy gave me the advice of a lifetime, which mm. I took me such a long time to decipher. And it's true. Like The reason why people couldn't accept my values because I, I was such an incomplete person mm. in terms of how I thought. Like I was really good at certain things and really bad at other things. Really good at certain things and really bad at other things. And I was asking people to value me in the spaces I was an infant. Mm. Then I was... a uh, because I thought that that those high places of adulthood, of places I had a lot of value, extended over to these infants uh, parts of me, and that's just it wasn't true. Mm. I wasn't. It was a big cliffs. And how can people really value that when it's an inconsistency? It's very easy to value somebody when they're consistently calm or consistently kind or consistently this. If somebody's kind and then they yell at you every now and then, it's hard to be like, yeah, that's a kind person. Mm. And I think in that regard, I'm a little bit. Uh, at, at least at this point, in the opposite place, because to me, I love the infancy space. Yes, I like I whenever if I get to a place where like, like I've done I've done graphics, I've done photography, I've done video, I've done like a lot of things. But it's I kind of like transition between these things because, for instance, when I started doing graphics, I, I I've always from a, done done anything I do from a place of expression. I've always wanted to express ideas and like concepts. So I started doing graphics because well, really I started doing paint, like Microsoft Paint. And then I found my dad got Photoshop and I was like, oh, Photoshop is like cool and like so like I started doing graphics. Was Microsoft Paint the one that was super pixelated? It was super like yeah, yeah, yeah super yeah. simple. Yeah. But when I um when I started Photoshop um, I was doing graphics. I was like making like really cool like images and flyers and stuff like that. But once I got to the point where I felt like, oh, I've reached my peak. Like I've reached the peak of being able to express myself in this regard. Like a peak. Yeah. A peak. Yeah, a peak. Exactly. 
I felt I always felt the need to like switch mediums. So I'd start photography. Like, okay, now I'll learn how I'll get a camera and I'll learn how to take pictures. You know, and so I love. And then once I did that, I learned video. And then I see how in my life it's really like kind of going through all of those really worked out perfectly for where I'm right now, like making content. Because now I can apply graphics and I can apply. Photography, and I can do all of this. Where which are services that people would render to others? Like I need a photo shoot. I need this. I need this. Whereas now I kind of not only could do it for myself, but even when I render it to someone else, like I can appreciate a standard of quality because I've done it myself. You know, and I think the point I was getting to was that when I'm when you get to a peak, sometimes you can get comfortable at that peak because it's like because of the validation、it. that comes to it, but. For me, I think it's always great to jump and start something brand new because just the process of learning something from the start up, knowing that you've already met a peak, and it's just like you can meet another peak and then start from the bottom again and meet another peak. I, I think that's what makes life interesting. Like not really staying where you're comfortable or where you're accepted or where you're. I think if you stay where you're accepted or accepted, you can you can get complacent in a way. Yeah,、um, you start、so、for me. You say what? You start to rot away if you just in sit in that. If you're constantly getting validated and you're constantly sitting in that value space, your brain doesn't handle power well.、Mm. Yeah. So for me, it's like I'm always seeking for, in a way, like I said, new ways to be an infant. If I enter a room, like I entered from an infantile perspective, what can I learn? You know.、Um, and I think that's why I get the insecurity of like speaking, because then like when I start talking, I get the feeling like, oh, well, am I like. Speaking too much, or like, should I be learning? So, like, just to bring it back to the original conversation that we were having. Yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. This whole conversation's been just like intertwining back and forth and back and forth, just beautifully.、Yeah. Like、going back to every topic.、Uh, actually, I think let's let's end it here.、Oh, good point. I think we really circled it around. Yeah, it okay, what's up?、Yeah. I've realized my role in this. Oh, yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs>、uh, Uh, thank you for. Oh yeah, my name is Ryan. I'm here doing some tech stuff, but、um, we've talked previously about you know possibly how I could be involved. And during while listening to this、um, now about an hour and forty minute conversation with y'all, I've realized the one way I might be able to contribute、um, yeah. in, a, in a in a kind of silent Bob fashion, the silent Bob speaks moment of of the of the process. Are you game for this? Yeah, I mean, yeah. would you would you be willing to? I mean, I know we're all here to kind of listen to how Matthew has prevailed and, and <laughs> what it means to be a great person despite、oh, the shitty people、goodness. in his life. Word. <laughs> But I'd really love to ask Miles a few questions. Are、yeah. we cool with this? Sure. Oh, sure.、Yeah. Okay, I've written some of them down. That's what I was doing over the last few minutes when I was typing on my phone. So, <laughs>、um, so the first question I have for you, just based on.、Um, You know what we've been talking about, or what you've been talking about for the last,、uh, for most of this, was、um, I'd love to hear one or two of your favorite Kanye West、um, songs or moments.、Mm. Song, like first song that comes to mind is White Dress.、Um, I don't know why, but that's the first song that popped in mind. I love me, you girl.、Mm-mm. I just love that.、Um, I love the soul that's in it.、Um, it sounds like very soulful. Outside of that, the second song that pops in my mind is "Black Skinhead" because it's like, in a way, it's actually the complete opposite.、Um, it's just like heavy drums and like.、Um, but I think the reason why I would enjoy those two polarities is because I think that's what Kanye kind of exhibits in a way. It's just like the polarity of being a human being、um, and the acceptance of that. So I would say those two. Nice. 
Okay, uh, my second question of five. Um, I would love to hear one or two of the things that you've done um, with yourself over your time here, um, which, of which you're particularly proud or in some way, uh, or ho hopefully also in some way that are connected to the essence of who you are. You mean in the podcast or in life? In life. In life. In life. Um, <laughs> in the last two hours. Um, I think in life, uh, more recently, one of the biggest achievements I've made for myself is that acceptance that we discussed earlier is just accepting like high points and flaws within myself and not in the mindset of this is something that like needs to work on it in, in an attacking kind of way, but more of just like a developing patience with myself and developing acceptance of myself, like true acceptance, not just, oh, I'm shitty or this or this. It's like, no, we're human beings. And in the same way that we treat other people, like we're allowed to treat ourselves with that. Um, not to elaborate too much, but um, I see that like, it's so much easier to be kinder to other people. It's so much easier to be patient or understanding for other people. It can be difficult when you turn around and have to apply those same emotions to yourself, which is self-love, I think. So um, in a way, more recently, that's what I've been, um, I think the biggest thing I've learned more than anything has caused me like a lot, it's given me a lot of like acceptance. Cool. Um, in, a, in a kind of flipping, flipping that question on its head, uh, my next question would be, I'd love to hear about one or two things that you've done uh, with your life, which uh, of which you regret or mm. are unhappy, embarrassed, or ashamed. Mm. And you don't have to answer these questions. Oh, I absolutely want to answer these questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, things I regret. I regret the way I treated women for a long time. Not that I was like a terrible person to women, but I think I've always been like a great friend, but it wasn't until this year that I actually like in a way, like really understood the value of not only a woman, but also feminine energy that's within men and ourselves. And I think in really venturing into that part of myself, I saw women in a whole new light because I, I kind of, I'd like to think I'm starting to see the world in a way that women have seen the world for a very long time. Um, so that's something like uh, I, I see that I regretted for a while, but growth. Can you talk just real quick about that way that you're uh, talking about in which now you see this world in a way that maybe women see the world a bit more? Yeah, um, I think it's a more for me. Once I've gotten, once I really tapped into my my version of female energy, it's a more compassionate, more understanding, more patient. I think men um, are very like hard workers, very forward, very direct, um, and women I think are more just naturally I'd, I'd assume more patient and stuff like that, more kind, more soft, and even like I've always in my in myself been like a very vulnerable, very like calm like person but i think there's a certain level to it once you start to venture into yourself as a man and kind of dismantling the entire ego that's almost given to you as a man like you're allowed to be a man in this life you're allowed to be direct and to only like be concerned with how you think and what you want out of life um, i think in my experience when i've tapped into this female energy that's what's kind of led me to seeing what benefit can I offer the world or what can I do? I start, I stopped looking so much for what I wanted from the world and more started looking at what can I offer to the world. But that's just been its effect on me. I can't really speak for like the entire world or any other person. 
Okay, so you're offering more to the world now, or your mindset is in that in that place of wanting to offer instead of what you can get from it. It's a and, and you feel like women are kind of more naturally in that mindset. Yeah, it's a more kind and compassionate. And like I said, bef- before I even address the world, it's a new way of addressing myself because I don't address myself so like aggressively anymore. I address myself in a more kind and compassionate way. And by treating myself like that, it allows me to treat the world in that way as well. Gotcha, thank you. Um, fourth question, if you're still mm. game. Um, would you describe a time in your life where you felt like you leveled up? Uh, this this summer, honestly, like this. Um, and it's weird because I can't even say I was a completely different person because it's like I'm still me, but I also feel like I'm a completely new person just because of like, not that I've necessarily changed, um, but I have changed a lot, but I think my priorities have shifted. It's like, I think whatever... My friend gave me a great analogy. He said that in his mind, he has like five pillars in his mind of like things that he values in life and every action that he does um, goes off of whatever's on those five pillars. Mm -hmm. And I think in the past month, I actually changed all of what was on those five pillars and put like things that I think were more productive to a better, being a better person in general. Um, Even things I think, the reason I think it's hard to like kind of explain the change is because I'm changing a lot of what I didn't realize needed to be changed. So that's like an ongoing process of like finding and rediscovering yourself and then doing the work to like, once you see that there's something that needs to be changed, it's like sweeping under the fridge. You've been living with your fridge for like a month. And then once you go under there with the broom one time, you realize there's been all this dirt there. You know, it's like, it's not to necessarily blame yourself, but it's just like, oh, now that there's a problem there, you see the problem that's there, you can accept it. Um, so that's been kind of like a major transition in my just thought process in the past two months or so. Congratulations. It must be exciting, like since it's been so recent for you to be kind of enjoying the benefits of that new, that new kind of a level. To so say. I wouldn't even I can't even say benefit because it's difficult. Like I think change and if, if nothing else, this past month like has shown me like change in a very difficult way. And but it's also shown me to appreciate the difficulty of change because no real change happens without like some kind of thorough trauma because there has to be like a mark left you know in order for you to actually make a change you have to have something ripped from you in order for you to really realize oh change needs to be made so i mean that's why i think death changes a lot of people you know like if you deal with a death in your life or every time somebody's like parent passes that always creates a like monumental shift in their life um so i think in a way um i didn't Thankfully, I didn't have to deal with anyone dying in my life to make that change. But I, I feel in a way that I would say that I died in a way like an old version of myself died. And like now a new version of myself is being birthed and it's the early stages. So I think it's like a baby coming out the womb, like it's crying, it's painful. It's like, what the hell is going on? But it's also I'm at the point where I can accept that, like, OK, if you want to be a better person in life, it's going to take like highs and lows rough changes and very great points when you make those changes and you're like wow i've achieved um but it's more of an acceptance overall of those highs and those lows for me i i feel like that uh the way that you described the idea of um of you dying and coming that that being part of this difficult but necessary aspect of change for you Mm -hmm. um that feeling of like you know and the way that you described i could tell that you were really experiencing or you're aware of that trauma that you had like it really felt like this part of you dying 
and then you've, you've, you've had that trauma or suffering associated with that, but that's also been part of the necessary process of change. Mm. Um, I feel like I could talk about that with you for like another hour or something, but we don't have that. Now. Oh, but, word. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I'd love that for, to, to, to happen sometime. Mm. Um, so I have one more question for you, or, and I'm it's done. kind of along this, this line of, of vulnerability, um, but just related to change and that kind of thing. But... Um, you mentioned uh, a while back in the interview or in the conversation, I should say, uh, a time when you went through a traumatic event and your friends weren't there for you. Mm. And I was wondering if you would describe that any any further detail. Uh, but again, you don't have to. Um, I think that actually ties right into what we're discussing. It's it's at that point where I started to realize and experience like like sweeping the dirt from under the fridge and realizing like just seeing life in a new way. Um, I think that in that time is when I was kind of reaching out to people like, hey, I'm dealing with this like like in my mind, like I'm feeling crazy or like there's a lot going on in my head. And when I would try to reach out to people, like some people would tell me like, no, you're good, bro. Just just chill out, man. You're good. Like you're great. You're bugging. Da, da, da. And it was like, it isn't something that I could just like sit down and yeah, maybe I'm bugging. It's like, no, like I'm seeing life in an entirely new way and I need somebody to talk to about this. And that's when I kind of like, I felt almost distanced because it was like anybody I tried to reach out to either couldn't understand what I was dealing with or the people that I thought would understand didn't care to have the conversation. So that kind of put me in a position where I had to deal with those changes on my own, um, which now in retrospect, I'm grateful for because one of my biggest vices has always been whenever I'm dealing with something, I realize to make it easier, I help somebody else with their problem, which makes me feel better and like distracts me from what I need to deal with. So I think having that experience is why I say that I don't think that it was like coincidental. I think God came in and literally distanced my, me from my friends because that's something that I could have went to that might have prevented me from actually allowing the change to happen. Um, and once I just kind of got put in a box where I was by myself, um, it really allowed me to thoroughly experience and analyze that change that was happening and really like get to a point now where I can accept and like, you know, function within it. So given the name of this podcast, which I almost never remember, it's deep, 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 uh, diving, diving deep. deeper. Thank mm. you. Diving I'm, deeper. I'm, not, I'm not messing up on, on purpose. Like, I, yeah, diving deeper. Um, <laughs> it's not deeper. You, just keep it always <laughs> You mentioned uh, several times the change that you were going through, that you were having a hard time talking with mm. uh, with your friends. Uh, would you talk a bit more about specifically what you're thinking of when you when you describe that change? <laughs> um, oh shit, man! You were on the spot. I felt that. Uh, I think <laughs> you don't like, have to. No, I'm actually. I'm. I'm. I'm, kind of, I'm appreciative for it. It's just that having not been able to discuss it or when I tried to discuss it, it was almost like pushed to the side or I was told that I was crazy. I've just kind of like, in a way, just kept that to myself and dealt with it on my own. But in a way, I think I really feel like um, I died in some sense, or at least it gave me a new perspective on death. And now I, I'm still figuring it out, but it kind of makes me feel like we can die physically in our bodies, but I think life in a way gets a lot larger than I previously thought it was. And I think it, it did go through like dealing with that experience now. I don't know if everybody has that experience or if it's just me who was going through this, but I think it's in a way some kind of enlightenment that happens is, is how I'm starting to understand it. And for me, um, more than anything else, it's just like, yeah, I feel like in some way I died or, or that's my way of rationalizing 
it. I don't think like I died and I might be in heaven or something. I feel like people die within their lives multiple times. I would assume, I would assume whatever I experienced last month is might happen again in like a decade or maybe two decades. And I think that's actually a part of the process of life that you don't really know exists until you experience it for yourself. I can really relate to that um, just over the last year for myself. Mm. What part of yourself do you feel died? Or how would you characterize the, the, the part of yours or the identity that died? I would say every part that was what I would consider worldly, everything that if I had to think that we're going to heaven or there's a point of heaven to get to, I think it would take us killing off and dying, like all the parts of us that would prevent us from getting to heaven actually dying, which would be overall ego and everything that that encapsulates. So like sex and stuff like that, like that's why I said women were a big part because like I'm not like a, like I was never aggressively sexual with anybody like or anything like that. but. Um, I did see in a way that like I just kind of I love I enjoyed casual sex like when I with my friends like I would have sex with friends that that and now I see like that's even a part that had to go away like now I'm completely celibate because I'm kind of realizing that even in that as I'm kind of like just understanding the world on a more spiritual level I'm realizing that the things that I thought were so simple actually have like major things underneath or in other realms and in that. Um, it's just given me like that's the part of like the new perspective that I have on life and I'm trying to figure out so I've kind of taken this approach where I've just kind of like really just taken myself back from everything I used to be involved with drugs drinking sex women all of that just to like now after I've like worked on myself and kind of like found some solidarity into like who I want to be and who I am in this new space how do I want to now re-enter the world and how can I accurately um, show the version of myself that I that I am when I'm at home alone after all the work that I've done and all the work that's been done on me, um, how can I now re-enter the world with this new perspective and share it in a way that is understood? Which is why it's really cool that you brought that up because a lot of time I, th I just thought like, oh, well, maybe maybe I am crazy, maybe I'm just in my head and like this is just something I'm dealing with, so it's not easy to like bring it up in casual conversation. Uh, Miles Carter, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> I, I see you a bit better now than uh, I, I've seen many people before. So thanks for sharing. All right. <laughs> cool. Thank you so, for opening that line of conversation. Yeah, that was beautiful. I think that's exactly what we'll do. So this has been uh, Diving Deep with Between Two Clouds. Mm. Uh, it's been Scott Kowalchuk at ghostwriterx.com. Uh, Matthew Hahn, creator of Between Two Clouds. And then Miles Carter. At Miles Carter, for Miles Carter, Miles Carter. Uh, Miles. Check us out on uh, and YouTube. has a lot of beautiful videos, songs, etc. He's on Spotify as well. Uh, Instagram, it's unfollow Carter. Um, where else can people find you in a meaningful way? Um, mostly YouTube and Instagram. I don't really use Twitter anymore, but I'm yeah. on there as well. Um, uh, and Tumblr, if you're in Tumblr. Tumblr, so you... Every time I think of Tumblr, I just think of goth girls. Oh man, Tumblr is like <laughs> Tumblr is like the dopest app. It's just aesthetics. Everything is just like oh, it's like I feel like if you go on somebody's Tumblr, like you dive into their mind in a way, like yeah. what they enjoy seeing. Like that's where you can be as personal as possible because you don't see followers or anything like that. It's just a page for you to post what you want. I feel like this is a paid advertisement for Tumblr. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. All right, y'all. Well, uh, hope you enjoy. If you do, um, 
if you feel like responding to any of this, you can email, I guess, me personally, and then I can communicate with everybody at contact at betweentwoclouds.com. And uh, have a good day. You know, be more vulnerable. I think that was a good message from that. Be human. Accept the plight of being a human being.